0: Welcome to The Kate Show with Kate Daly. On Demand on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: Hi, this is The Kate Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Wow, we have a lot to talk about. (laughs) Um, You know what? I'm going to start. I have a lot of subjects to cover, but I want to cover this first one because it's on my mind and it's really bothering me. Um, And it's bothering me that the mainstream news... Um, Won't cover it at all because this is a case that can truly affect you and I you and I the people And they're not covering it. And when they do cover it, they lie They lie about it. They use all kinds of buzzwords and i'm getting i'm getting sick and tired of it But there's been a big update and I want to let you know What's been happening in our kangaroo courts because that's truly what they are It's almost mind-boggling to see what they're getting away with and nobody seems to care Nobody high up in any administration ever, uh, I don't care, state government, uh, federal government seems to care about this. Because if they really cared about what's going on in the courtroom, the judge would be removed and uh, they would have, the defense would have their day in court. These people that are charged would have their day in court. So I'm going to take us to the Bundy case for a minute before I move on with the show. Um, Last, uh, a couple of years ago, if you were to look at the news, this was a year after the event. This is what was being um, this was what was being reported. Okay, three hundred people show up, congregate at the side of a road near Bunkerville uh, grazing allotment, and one militia member group member aims a rifle at the federal agents. This is what this is what the news has been reporting all along. Bundy's owe one million dollars in unpaid grazing fees and mostly all fines. Let's let's be real, um, which they never ever received a bill for. Okay, and you're not told that in court if you're a jury member, but there was never a bill. So they're also being told that, uh, you know, how dare anyone stand up to the federal government that had just stolen 300 cows from the Bundys uh, because of these fees, which should have been a civil matter, but it wasn't. They came in, show a force, to take 300 cows, and the cows are dying. They're even burying them to bury the evidence. Um, They're not feeding them. They are... um, doing all of these things okay so you're called as a jury member a couple of years later and and all you remember is gunmen armed people standing up to the feds somebody uh, didn't pay their fees and everybody showed up or lots of people showed up to help out and to stand there with them okay so (laughs) you're a jury member you're a jury member, and you're supposed to take in all this information as if you've never heard anything, even though it's been in the news for a couple of years, but painted as a story where people just, the militias are crazy, and, and everybody wants feds um, shot down. This is These are the kinds of things that you're hearing in the backdrop, right? Anti-federal government, far right. Okay, you're a jury member. All of a sudden, you see the the prosecution Go on and on and on and ramble for about seven weeks, seven weeks of testimony. And the only testimony you hear is how in fear the feds were of the people, okay? How in fear they were. Oh, fear for their lives, okay? These federal agents. Oh my gosh, these BLM agents armed to the teeth, but they're, they're fearing. They're scared. They're so scared. So this is what you're hearing for seven solid weeks as a jury member. Then it gets to the, d- the defense. The defense only got three days, no witnesses. I'm sorry, wait, what? Uh, we're not even going to at least hear from the defense for weeks? I mean, this is ridiculous. They've got to have witnesses. No witnesses. As a jury member, you are told by the judge in this case that you will find these, these guys guilty of conspiracy. Now, there's only a couple of the people that showed up that are sitting, on, sitting there in, uh, as the defense. The Bundys aren't even part of this trial. These are just the people that came to help. And you're sitting there just you're you're trying to you're trying to understand why there's no witnesses. And you're told by the judge that they have to find them guilty of a conspiracy with people that aren't even on trial. But wait a minute. How do you do that? You haven't even heard the whole case. You haven't even heard a defense. You don't hear that the feds outnumbered the people so much so that it was one hundred and seven vehicles With federal agents armed to the teeth, 107 vehicles for about three to 700 people, three to 500 people. That was about all that, 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 that showed up. Okay. You don't hear any of this, nothing. You're not allowed to hear that the federal agents were throwing people to the ground. You're not allowed to hear that they put dogs on a pregnant woman. These are all unarmed people, by the way. You're not allowed to hear any of this. You're not allowed to hear that the main federal agent in charge, Dan Love, is under investigation. You're not allowed to hear that people were actually fearing because they were not armed. You're not allowed to hear that. You're not allowed to hear that the one militia group member that laid on the bridge ready to shoot somebody, the picture that went around the world, um, how crazy these militias are. You're not allowed to hear that that one guy, the same guy, the very, very same guy who actually uh, was threatening on camera that he was going to, you know, do some violent things, that he was a paid informant, paid informant. The guy on the bridge laying down with the gun, posed, ready ready to get a federal agent. That was a paid informant. Yeah, you're not going to you're not going to hear much about that. Nope, you're not going to hear any of the case, actually, because the judge, um, from what we hear in the courtroom, intimidated any of the witnesses that were going to come in as part of the defense that they could be indicted on charges for conspiracy. They showed up and testified and they were already instructed that they weren't allowed to say anything about fearing the agents involved. The same federal agents that stood on the other side of the gate laughing to the camera about how they could pick off some innocent uh, civilians standing there, these ranchers and farmers, these unarmed ranchers and farmers. You're not going to hear any of that. Nope. And uh, so the the jury wasn't hearing any of the evidence, any of the evidence um, against the feds, 107 vehicles coming through three different states. Not one media person reported on it. Nobody said a word about it. They all show up. Armed to the teeth, guns ready to go, and they're facing about maybe three to five hundred people that uh, are not armed, not armed. Some of them are on horseback carrying uh, flags, not armed, um, angry that these cows are being killed. As a juror, you're not hearing that either. You're not hearing that the uh, federal government never gave a bill to Clive and Bundy for the over one million dollars that they say he owed. Not a bill. Not a single bill. You're not going to hear any of that. In fact. What happened in this case was the jury came back with the guy that uh, said all the violent things. The actual informant um, gave him some charges, but was a hung jury on all the rest, mostly. What's sad about this is that they didn't just acquit because they didn't. They knew that they didn't hear a defense. They knew it, and you have to think with a, a jury with a brain cell would know when they're not hearing <laughs> a total. Complete defense, and they only get three days of a defense with with no witnesses. And the other thing is sad is that they came to a hung jury um, that there were, well, I would say this is actually a positive. The feds got to paint their picture exactly how they wanted it with no defense. In fact, uh, they were stricken down. The judge in the case even said that they weren't allowed to um, object, that she would object and have everybody raise their hands. Yeah, I can't make this stuff up. This is happening in a federal court. This just happened in a federal court in Nevada. Judge Navarro's her name. She was put on by Harry Reid. There were so many actions done in the courtroom that I can't even explain them all to you in one single podcast that are so questionable, so unconstitutional, they'd make your blood curl. They really would. And this is going on, and nobody seems to care. Nobody seems to care. It just drives me insane. Um. And so they came to a hung jury. Did they let them out? Well, because the, the feds obviously couldn't even prove their case after seven weeks of this. The feds have come back and vowed to bring double the people back, right? And uh, the same judge is going to hear this case. And the same judge is going to do all of these things. And they're going to keep at it until they get what they want. And that is conviction. Conviction of people just showing up because they care. Showing up to stand with somebody whose cattle is being taken from them. Um, wow. I, I can't even say enough. In fact, they're going to have to stay in prison now until the end of June to even start their case, which means that throws the Bundy's up until probably August to October to even hear their case. Have you ever heard of people in prison for two years awaiting a case? Two years is what it's going to end up being with the Bundy's. And, and I'm, I'm talking thrown in solitary, uh, cavity searches. I mean, you, would, you wouldn't even believe the stuff that's happening. And who cares? Who, who is going to care about this and hear this and, and understand that there is a judge down there that needs to be removed? That we have people that are incarcerated. In, we have rapists that go free before their trial. And these guys are incarcerated for showing up. So they'll stay in prison now. I can't even believe this is happening in America. We should be ashamed of ourselves. The total story put out by the media was lie after lie after lie after lie. And that's why I do this, because I care about the truth. I care about these people, and I don't care if you agree with them or you don't agree with the stand they took. They did not do anything to warrant one day of prison time. Not one shot was fired. Not one single shot. Not one gun presented from those that were there to simply protest. The only person that raised a gun was an informant. Yeah, an informant. This doesn't warrant any jail time, yet they're sitting in prison now a year and a half. It's amazing to me. And uh, let me say this. um, The judge uh, decried mistrial. So they have to go back. They have to go back for another trial. (sighs) I just I guess I get stunned. I get stunned when i when I hear to the to the ridiculousness to the unconstitutionality of what's happened in this courtroom in America, and people think they'll be treated fairly when it comes to their property rights. forget about it, not in America, not anymore. I'm sickened over this. I'll be right back. I have so much more of uh, is there a false flag coming? Uh, yeah, I actually think there is, and uh, some new technology, all kinds of things. You're going to want to stick around for this. This is the Kate Show on the Blaze Radio Network. You can go to katedalleyradio.com, Kate Dally, like Valley, katedalleyradio.com.
0: You're listening to the Kate Show with Kate Dally only on the Blaze Radio Network On Demand.
1: 2017 is going to be a volatile economic year. We may see politicians throughout the world attempting to control central bank policies. Several renowned financial analysts have warned that political interference in central bank policies may mean our economic misses of inflation and growth targets. Gold is an international currency that can't be issued or controlled by governments. If you don't have the only hard currency that has outlasted every politician and every failed idea of governments for centuries For you. Call Goldline one 800 913 4653
0: The Kate Show with Kate
2: Daly. Welcome back to the Kate Show. So is there a false flag on its way? Well why don't we analyze that for a moment, and uh, this'll, maybe this will surprise you. I don't know. I think you probably read the same articles I have, but this is what I see. I think, actually, they're kind of showing their face. Let me give you an example. Thomson Reuters uh, came out with this article. So you tell me, what is this article prepping us for? Here we go. Washington, April 26th. The United States may need to strengthen its missile defenses, particularly in Hawaii giving the advancing threat from North Korea's missile and nuclear weapons programs. The top U.S. commander in the Pacific told Congress on Wednesday. Just hours before the entire U.S. Senate was due to receive a top-level briefing on North Korea at the White House, Admiral Harry Harris testified that he believed that the threats against the United States needed to be taken seriously. Harris said the defenses of Hawaii were sufficient for now. Let Let me repeat that. Harris said the defenses of Hawaii we sufficient for now, but could one day be overwhelmed and suggested studying stationing new radar there as well as interceptors to knock out any incoming North Korean missiles. And he ended with this. Well, I'm ending it. He didn't. <laughs> I don't care. I don't share your confidence, said Harris, that North Korea is not going to attack either Seoul, Korea or Japan or the United States once they have the capability. You know, it's funny, I read this, and this is what I'm immediately thinking. A, we could literally wipe North Korea off the map. We've been able to do this for a very long time. Given our defense budget at over $600 billion, um, which outdoes every single country in the globe combined, if they were to all combine the money they spend on defense, it wouldn't even match our budget for defense. And yet we're calling for more. Trump just put in over 60 uh, more million or billion. Can't remember. Anyway, uh, so here we stand with an extraordinarily large defense budget. And we're kind of like hemming and hawing over North Korea. That's like hemming and hawing over over ISIS. We could have wiped ISIS off the map too. We have the capability. We have the technology. We're about 20 years ahead of where we actually say we are. We are uh, capability strong, and to sit there and say that I feel like I'm serious. When I, I the other day I watched Pearl Harbor, and it was interesting to watch the news of Pearl Harbor come in when they were kind of reassuring everybody peace talks were going on at the time, right? And they were sort of reassuring that you know we were capable, we had it we had it going on, and then all of a sudden they hit Hawaii. Well. Same kind of thing. I'm thinking now they're now they're seriously saying, well, we might be in jeopardy here. Gosh, we don't have enough technology. We don't have enough. Well, we, we can't meet uh, what North Korea is going to going to send. Really? Really? <laughs> Are you kidding? They've been trying for decades to do this over a decade strong and trying to do something. And we could have flattened that out at any time. We could have done anything at any time. I truly believe that. We have more resources, more more uh boots on the ground, we have stations everywhere around the globe. We have such a presence it's not even funny. And we keep siphoning money for this. Yet Thomson Reuters comes out with a opinion article, right? Because everything's opinion now coming out. So it's all kind of slanted towards opinion. And this is setting us up for some sort of attack as if we just don't have enough to um to repel any attack that that comes our way. I don't buy it. I don't believe it. Yes, we do. But we have to point out that we are a little bit weak. Maybe we need some more money. <laughs> How much money do we have to throw at it? Amazing that they can keep siphoning money for this thing because this is really what it's for, right? This is really why they're one of the reasons why they're saying this. They also want to let us know that we're just a little bit weak in a couple of areas so that if we do get attacked, you'll know that it, it was because we were a little weak. Uh, we couldn't, we just couldn't take an attack from another country. I don't buy that for a second. Do you, (sighs) this stuff comes out and I'm like, oh, they're just prepping us for either a false flag, right? Uh, or an attack. Let's face it. And my bet, I would probably hedge my bet toward a false flag because this is what the setup looks like. Oh gosh, they're dangerous. They're dangerous now. They weren't a year ago or five years ago, but now they are. And now we just don't have enough to. To thwart anything coming our way Well bogus Anyway I don't believe it for a 2nd six seven three fourteen fifty. 888-673-1450 uh, So Guess what the news is saying right now You have nightly news with Lester Holt. Remember I uh, poked fun at him for going over and doing a story. The whole thing was made up. Well, not made up. It was just contrived. The whole story was contrived. They even showed a victim that he was talking about that ended up in a victim clip a year before. Anyway, the whole story was contrived and he was on boots on the ground and telling us what's going on in Syria, even though it was ridiculous. The, The whole story was ridiculous. So, um, Lester Holt is again uh, this article was by James Rainey but it was on uh, nightly news with with Lester Holt what should you do in case of nuclear attack don't run get inside okay so this is NBC News and they're telling us the threats seem to come daily now out of North Korea ballistic missile firings preparations to test a nuclear bomb bomb and routine bravado <laughs> I'm sorry what is routine bravado? <laughs> what? What is that? Is that a threat? Routine bravado? This is NBC writing this junk. And routine bravado. Be very afraid. Anyway, uh, state-owned media and the rogue nation, rogue nation, you got to love all this, last week vowed a super mighty preemptive strike, one that will reduce the U.S. to ashes. (laughs) Do you remember when they used to print the threats from North Korea and we all used to laugh because they were kind of funny? Now they're taking them very seriously. So now they're, they're, they're painting them and making them look like, oh my gosh, they're ready to just totally obliterate the United States. So this is what this is. He goes on to write, the invective scene is overblown by American weapons experts who believe that he is likely a few years from having the capability of firing a nuclear equipped uh, missile that can reach the U.S. mainland. Yet... <laughs> They go on to project, yet some leading emergency response planners view the persistent menace of North Korea as a new opportunity, reason to alert the American public that a limited nuclear attack can be survivable with a few precautions. So they're basically telling us all how we can survive this false flag that's coming. There you go. There you go in a nutshell. There's some truth for you. Hi, caller. Welcome to the Kay Daly Show. What's on your mind? Hi. Hi.
3: Hi, Kate. Hi there. Uh, y- y- you're right on target. Th- this is this is all uh, a, a build up to. Yep. Uh you know, uh, an unnecessary confrontation with North Korea, mm-hmm. uh, you know, presidents know, especially presidents that have low approval ratings know that and initially their approval ratings go up with any kind of military conf- confrontation. Yes, yes. And North Korea is no threat. They are no threat. Like you said, we can wipe them off the map I and, know. in a heartbeat. <laughs> it, you, even conventionally, we can wipe them off the map in a heartbeat. This You had it right with Syria. That was another false flag with, with the chemical uh, weapons, so-called, attack by Assad. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, the CFR people, the mm-hmm. Goldman Sachs people that Trump has in his inner circle, they're very scary. I mean, <laughs> I've seen this happen back, in, you know, with the Operation Desert Slaughter when they were saying that... Uh, Saddam's troops were unplugging incubators in Kuwait, and then the same person, uh, the same so-called nurse that witnessed this, was one of the emir's daughters that was partying in Paris a week later. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, this is this is ridiculous, and yep. this is an unnecessary war that they're ramping up for, and. I mean, I don't know who's going to put a halt to it. Congress, like you said, is supposed to do that, but they're weaklings and they're yeah. cowards. No,
2: they're complete weaklings. We've never seen anything weaker. They don't do their job. They don't do anything except rename post offices. Hallelujah for that, right? That's helping us. Uh, I totally agree. And I, as they paint this, as they paint this picture, it's amazing to watch the words that they use. Routine bravado. Have you ever thought that routine bravado was a threat? <laughs>
3: No, in a million no. years. I mean this is this is what they do I mean yep, yep. The, the 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 Kim family knows that they 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 talk big and then they get you know mm-hmm. food they get you know uh you know little goodies uh, and this and that and then when they, when those one out they do yep. it again the only- that's that's the way they've been played with and and I don't I mean I, I just like what they're saying now is mm-hmm. that you know it looks like you know they I uh, South Korea I mean South Korea basically should be defending itself it's uh, I think its economy is probably like what like 50 times bigger than North Korea's and its mm-hmm. population is larger mm-hmm. technologically they're, they're probably pretty close to the United States right I mean so why exactly are we defending South Korea yeah. 60 years or so after the Korean War
2: well we're not it, this is this is the setup for a false flag because now all of a sudden we're taking this seriously uh, now we're saying that they can do this and now we're afraid this is just, this is such a setup I mean it's it's just almost pathetic because of the words they have. the choice they have to use to get to our emotions, to get us to believe that we are seriously under threat right now, always predicts a false flag coming.
3: The rockets, the rockets, the uh, so-called intercoms continental mm-hmm. ballistic missiles, mm-hmm. they remind me of our our, missile, our uh, early space program, our Redstone rockets that would explode 20 yes. uh, feet above like the launch pad. I mean, they're still using scuds. They're still using scuds, uh-huh. still using yeah. SCUDs that were probably
2: uh, 1970s technology. They're not going to hit anything. Ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Thanks for the call. I love it. Well, he's right, isn't he? <laughs> Give me a break. All you got to do is read the language in these articles and they tell you how to feel. I mean, no thinking required. Didn't uh, Reuters just do a big, huge uh, article on the fact that Americans can't think? They just finally came to this conclusion that we just can't think. Well, they're wrong. We can think. We just don't use it enough. And we need to. We need to. We'll be right back. More on The Kate Show when we come back.
0: The Blaze Radio Network On Demand.
2: The Kate Show
0: with Kate Daly.
1: Don't miss the Chris Salcedo Show.
3: We say it here all the time. Problems that existed before Obama became full-blown catastrophes after Obama. Whether it was his anti-American bent or his completely backward ideas on policy. The Trump administration is targeting net neutrality. This was an Obama-era boondoggle, some say. Others say it's necessary. We'll sort through all of it, separating fact from fiction.
1: The Chris Salcedo Show. Weekdays at 3 p.m.
0: Eastern. On the Blaze Radio Network. This is The Kate Show with Kate Daly, only on the Blaze Radio Network On
2: Demand. Back here on The Kate Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Uh, proud to be a member of the Blaze family, by, way, by the way, and they do some good work. They, they really do. And I love that they believe in the freedom of speech. They do. And they believe in hosts that say their piece, and I love that about them. Uh, let me say this. There's a lot of drills going on. Let's bring some attention to what's happening right now in the United States because these drills can be really scary um, because a lot of things happen while we're having drills, coincidentally. Wink, wink. Hmm. So let's talk about it because there's a couple going on right now, several that are really crazy. How many drills are we having right now? We have oper- we a uh, Gotham Shield Um, we have, uh, let me see here, we have one going on, let me get this right, because FEMA's out right now telling everybody the goal, the goal for nuclear activity is to put as many walls as much concrete, brick, and soil between you and the radioactive material outside. I feel like I'm in the 1950s again. Okay, not again, because I wasn't around in the 1950s, but I can certainly imagine. Um, Also, um, we have drills going on in uh, every part. So, right now, the big article uh, yesterday in National Security Washington's top news area first responders prepare for a complex terror attack uh, in Washington. So a full-scale regional counterterrorism exercise set for for today is designed to prepare for the possibility of a complex coordinated terror attack in the national capital region and is driven in part by concern over similar terror attacks in, Euro- in Europe. Hmm. So why weren't they doing this last year, the year before, the year before that, the year before that? Uh, yeah, just, I don't know. I guess we're picking this year. So, um, that doesn't, that doesn't send any like, uh, red flags my way. Um, especially after the talk about North Korea and the, um, I don't know, the threat that it's posing. But this is getting interesting because the Paris attack was back in November of 2015. So anyway, so we have a ton of attacks going on. We've got Operation Gotham Shield. We have, um, we've had three cities last weekend that all lot major cities. San Francisco, L.A., that all lost their power around the same time. And we're talking power grid down. So this was interesting. And they did it on a weekend, which wouldn't halt too much, but halt enough to see maybe what could happen, because I do believe those were coordinated, and I don't believe for a second they were separate. Um, It's just too coincidental. And then you've got uh, the nuclear activity Uh, You've got the nuclear activity, which is sort of a a Gotham shield, but this nuclear nuclear uh, war simulation is New Jersey, New York. Then you have the area first responders in DC (laughs) uh, doing their own, um, their own controlled uh, regional, let's call it regional exercise be staged in six sites in district of Columbia, suburban Maryland, Northern Virginia will involve hundreds of police, fire, emergency medical personnel and volunteer actors. Got to love the volunteer actors. Um, also, uh, the event will be a success, says the says the host of this event, Pavlik. He says if no one gets hurt because it's a large-scale event with a lot of moving parts and if all the agencies are able to establish a unified command where they're all able to speak to each other. You realize, too, that the being able to all speak to each other, that's supposed to make us feel better about all of these agencies coordinating on a federal level, right? But what that does then is create federal forces that shouldn't exist because this should be done by the states. But what they say is, well, if we all communicate more readily, then that's good for you. Well, what's good for me is that they respect that the states get to do this and not be a federal component of the government. So basically what we have are federal fire departments, federal everything, federal emergency personnel to take care of, of things like this because we're creating a federal a federally run unit when they are all communicating on the same type of system or they all are the same type of training. I'm not saying communication is bad. I'm saying that in the way that they're doing it, they're selling us on one thing and doing another. And I don't like that. It's a bait and switch to me. Uh, same thing that they're doing with the police. Let's all get on the same computers. That way we can communicate. Well, I think you can solve crimes. Um, <laughs> I think you can solve crimes on a state level and it, without turning everything over to a, a, a federal a need to have the federal, uh, control everything from the federal point of view, from the federal standpoint, uh, from federal systems. So I'm always looking at that as a little bit of a threat, right? A little bit, a lot of (laughs) threat, but there's a lot of different drills going on and we all know what happens during drills. I'm sorry, but that's just, that is just a fact, ladies and gentlemen, that things happen when drills are happening. Look at 9-11. There's one of your biggest examples of a drill happening in the morning of 9-11. And the drill was for airplanes to be commandeered. Interesting. It's interesting right now that we have drills going on for nuclear, and we also have drills for EMPs. Um, which would take out the electrical grids, right? Which means a total standstill uh, to uh, our world as we know it, right? Because everything revolves on trucks getting to grocery stores and electricity. And a lot of people just wouldn't know what to do. They really wouldn't know how to live. I've thought more and more about an EMP and how we would try and survive that. There was a great scene in World War Z where... Where Brad Pitt is in a truck and he's talking with a man and the man says, we didn't know this was coming. We didn't know the Holocaust was coming. We were caught off guard. We didn't know this could happen. We didn't know that could happen. He kind of went through history. And he said, so we developed a a theory called the 10th man. And that is, if nine people in the room agree about what's about to happen, looking at laying out all the evidence, what is the 10th man? The 10th man has to disagree. They have to come up with something else, something outside the box, because sometimes we have a hard time going there. Sometimes we have a hard time even thinking about what could be being done. Um, and I find that such a great, it's such a great way to look at it, isn't it? Because sometimes we're not pressed to think outside the box and think about um, what, what could be coming down the pike. But I'll tell you something. All of the news today is moving towards uh, fear of North Korea. Um, which I know we could absolutely take out in minutes. <laughs> Give me a break. Um, it'd be like if they were doing this absolute fear thing about ISIS. You know, I, I would feel the same way. It doesn't matter um, because I know our capability, and I know we could wipe people out. This is this is this is kind of a no-brainer. Now they're threatening Hawaii, right? These congressmen—they're saying, "Well, Hawaii could be hit. It's it's weak. I don't know." They're, it's almost like they're kind of laying out the case. Not that they're all involved in some conspiracy. It's just. Interesting how this information comes forth and kind of nudges towards a, um, oh, we're so weak. Oh, gosh, somebody can get us. Really? An EMP would actually be very, very easy to do and very easy to blame on somebody else as a first strike. Let's just say that. All right. We'll just leave it right there. And Japan. Japan. Uh, there are reports that the Japanese are stocking up on, like never before, on shelter items, on um, gas masks. Uh, is They're afraid of a gas attack. They're afraid of all kinds of things um, in the position they are globally um, in relation to North Korea, location-wise. And they're starting to buy up and, and and put things on back order. Interesting that the Japanese are sort of ramping up their efforts to uh, make sure that they uh, have the, the tools that they need. Hmm. lots of strange things, lots of weird things going down along the coast of Alaska. We have, um, uh, I don't know, it just seems like right now something's kind of brewing a little bit. We need to keep an eye on it. I don't live in fear. One of the things I don't do is live in fear or try and go towards fear- Fear ushered in media because media, in its own right, can really work us on the fear mode. And I, I don't buy that, and I don't buy um, even some alternative media going to fear twenty four seven. It's just that some of these things are happening, and we have to make sure that we keep an eye on them and at least make sure we're somewhat ready. Right? I mean, don't we have kind of a duty and obligation to those that we love that we're at least looking around? We're not. We don't have our heads in the sand. I would think so, and. When I see people panicking, and I see other countries um, kind of uh, stocking up a little bit, and we keep we keep this threat in in the media, uh, we've never we've never really said in our media that we would fear North Korea. We only say that North Korea is doing this or they're doing that right now, right? For like the last ten years, not that we're in fear and our weaknesses. And I mean, they're really talking it up. So, a they want money. They want more money for more military, which we have so much money already spent on on our defense. And second, it's to sort of prep us for, well, if we did get attacked, this is why. Anyway, just thought I'd kind of go over that with you a little bit. Be right back. This is The Kate Show on The Blaze Radio Network.
0: This is The Kate Show with Kate Daly. Only on The Blaze Radio Network On Demand. This is The Kate Show with Kate Daly, only on the Blaze Radio Network
2: On Demand. Welcome back to The Kate Show. Let's get into some um, interesting things that Google... What is Google up to? I should have a segment just called, what is Google up to? You'd be surprised. (laughs) All right, here goes. I always find this really fascinating. Whenever Google steps out and they want to do something into predictive anything, it always catches my eye. Why? Because, well, because, uh, well, let let me go off the headline first. Google kicks off a $100 million project in predictive medicine seeking 10,000 volunteers for very invasive screening and also 10,000 volunteers for a 10-year study, okay? These things are very drawn out. But let let me just say, of course we know. And it came actually to the attention, Robert Steele, who we've had on the show, uh, who was a former CIA case officer back in 2006? He made headlines when he said, "Well, of course Google's in bed with the CIA; they always have been." Uh, Google, Facebook, PayPal—all um, venture capitalist deals that came out of InQtel, which is the arm, the funding arm of the CIA—and uh, I absolutely absolutely not only believe that um if you go back and you look at some of the people involved and uh, you start to connect the dots with the venture capital boardrooms in silicon valley and then you start to look at the cia and their involvement in all of these things how do you think um uh, google got their mapping the you know the you go on and you want to look at something on a google map that came into existence in one year um, you know, usually a company just starting out never gets the kind of funding or cooperation to do that through satellite. Uh, so you've got to understand, even connecting the simplest of dots for somebody uh, with a brain cell, you can say, oh my gosh, you know, this was definitely funded uh, on the down low. And um, I just don't know how anyone could disagree with that. But So PayPal uh, also, Teal's uh, internet success too, uh, he's behind Facebook, of course. The CIA is behind Facebook. Behind um, It's the, b- the biggest gather of voluntary um, personal information in the world. And then you have PayPal, which a lot of people do business by PayPal, and it's held in PayPal. And, of course, these things are uh, definitely uh, through venture capitalists with alleged business ties to the CIA. So. Knowing that, and then knowing that they're doing this study, what this study would do then is uh, basically look at predictive medicine or or precision health, as it is sometimes known, in a trend in healthcare that is growing exponentially. And perhaps the greatest indication to date that this is slated to be the future of disease prevention and patient care. Now, you know whenever they say that, they're talking eugenics. They say how much they want to save us into preventive medicine by analyzing and taking away our privacy, then you know that they're going to be able to also tell us what we have to do in the future medically. Um, And this could be based on your search engine results, what you're searching for. Everybody does uh, Google MD doctor, right? Because you got to Google all your symptoms to figure out what's going on. And so they figure that if they can do enough research on what you are uh, searching for and Googling, that they could actually come up with some things to tell you what to do. And if you don't, There could be some consequences to that in the future. So this is called predictive modeling, and they needed a a group of people willing to be tracked and monitored uh, to a never-before-seen degree to be able to do this. This is a huge project by Google coming out. And herein also lies some concern about what the future is really going to look like If all of our most intimate functions are logged and analyzed for inspection, right now computers at 70%, 70% of the time can tell you exactly what your next thought is. They can analyze. They're so smart, and they can predict what you're thinking. And so people might not know this, but Google is uh, synonymous with online browsing, (laughs) hello America, And, and search engines, but it has a health division called Verily. It's the result of an undertaking that began in 2014 as Google Life Sciences. Isn't that funny? Think about a search engine company that's venturing into all of this, and people don't think that they're not funded by the government? Hmm. Anyway. Uh, I mean, I've heard of of venturing out to do some other things as a company, but this? Interesting. You're a search engine company that's now into health sciences. So they have this division called Verily. It's become one of the company's most intricate, far-reaching endeavors. Spending a lot of money on it. Uh, that's, that's a big gamble if you're just a company not working with its own government to do this. You know Google has offices right there in the White House, right? So none more so than a specific mission to predict future illness. This is how we get into eugenics. Verily's bold mission has now been given a name. It's called Project Baseline. And all of these uh, estimates right now are putting the price tag at over Hundred million dollars. So this ramp up in predictive medicine initiatives uh, will demonstrate everything from consumer wearable electronics to con- to get your health uh, where they would like it to be, and uh, right up there with smartphone apps that have been developed to connect doctors to patients with a history of, de- of depression. And while many people seem to be on board with all of this technology as an elective measure. Uh, to better their overall health, right? We get the little app that tells us how many steps we take in a day and and so forth. Gee, this is really helping, right? Mental fitness, physical fitness. You also have to understand there's a cost to this too, and that is the merger of healthcare and insurance where that slippery slope is going to be found. And going off of predictive, say your health isn't that good at 40, 50 years old. And you have apps and you have everything sort of disclosing this information. And how are the insurance companies getting that information? And how will they, uh, you know, you go fill out a form for insurance, for life insurance, what have you, ter- even term life insurance. And the companies are going, well, based on uh, some things that we found, uh, this is the case. Or we are predicting that you don't get help because, hey... You might have done something we don't like, and um, maybe we won't give you that transplant you need. Maybe we won't give you something that you need, or that you want, or that you're, you could even pay for. But there's a lot more control. So predictive modeling—it's—they're really looking at always look at what they're looking at, and they're looking at more data in the healthcare predictive modeling advances. A lot of money's going into this. I think the government does this via uh, under the guise of Google so that uh, so that it doesn't look like they're going into the direction of eugenics um, so that people cannot point the finger at them. But they're using companies like this as their gateway to get information like this, because if the government wanted to do a study right now for one hundred million dollars of our taxpayer dollars and say to us that they want to be able to predict our future health behavior, what would people say? (laughs) Do it through a company like Google you got it. Because you know what? Then it's cool, right? It's kind of like the new iPhone. It's cool and it's imaginative and it's, it's, uh, it's about data and it's about technology. And hey, a smarter app. I just don't go for the apps anymore. I, I really don't. I always wonder, well, who owns the app and who owns the info on the app I'm, I'm giving my stuff to? I don't like it. Um, that's just me. Anyway, so what they've decided is, well, we've mapped the world and we can give you a bird's eye view of any piece of property in the world now uh, via Google map. Now let's map human health. Hmm. It's a great way to control people. So the project has enlisted Duke university of medicine and Stanford school of medicine. Why do those names always come up? Interesting. In this, in this, in these kinds of fields. Anyway, uh, their quest is to collect, get this comprehensive health data, use it as a map and compass, pointing the way to disease prevention. Uh, The only problem is, is that you're getting disclosed information that should be private to you that's going to be out there. So despite the huge financial investment offered to some of the best minds in the establishment medicine, um, this missing component is the data set that is the people. So they've got to get people to volunteer for this kind of thing. So MIT technology review said the Verily project has a need for 10,000 American volunteers who will agree to submit to a battery of real time testing over a period of four years. What will the information include when we come back on The Kate Show? You can go to katedalyradio.com for podcasts. And you can email me at kate at katedalyradio.com. Also, you can go to The Kate Show on Facebook. You can find me there. I post every day. And also on Twitter, Kate on the Blaze.
0: This is The Kate Show with Kate Daly. Only on the Blaze Radio Network On Demand.
1: Don't miss Pat and Stew. You've heard it a hundred times. I don't think I. I don't don't think we have. I don't think so. I don't think we have. You always say it's a long story, and then it never gets explained. Uh, Right? Because it's almost like he's scared to tell us. I wrote an article about 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 it. He's scared to tell us. Infusion. Oh, fusion. Yeah, that one that nobody saw. Well, it's not my fault. You don't read, Jeffy. Pat and Stu, weekdays at 5
0: p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: Show with Kate Daly. Welcome back. Okay, so what's the, what is the information that Google is after? All right, here we go. It's going to include this: X-rays, heart scans. in addition, having their genomes deciphered and their blood tested in so-called liquid biopsies, molecular testing, including the sequencing of uh, participants' DNA. The study calls for collecting volunteers stool, saliva, and even tears. Very invasive. Very invasive. In fact, they just went back. They've been studying uh, animals and worms. And they've they've decided that we go back, uh, what, 14 generations? That we carry the cell base of 14 generations with us. So they can go back into your history and say, oh, you've had a history of this and this and this. Maybe those procedures are off limits to you after the age of 60. Hmm. Anyway. Anyway. Just thought I'd let you know what they're doing, but uh, it's a massive undertaking trying to get 10,000 people. All they have to do really is hit the universities and um, any liberal state, really, I think they'll have people signing up left and right. These people can't think beyond you know next month, so maybe those are the individuals that will sign up for this. I'm not quite sure. I don't know why you would want to be a guinea pig for Google. Why? And why in the health field, I don't know. But these people probably seem uh, like it will help us. Um, You know what? What's interesting is I did a story on the tiger on Friday. And um, I found it very interesting that the tigers in Siberia um, were never ever uh, to the point of distinction or a threat. You know how a fourth of them got wiped out. And then they had to instill the tiger protective teams that went out and hunted that one tiger that I, I did the story about. What was interesting that they found, though, that it was these environmental groups that had to conduct studies on the behavior of tigers. And when they, when they did the behavior on tigers is when they learned all about their, of course, their behaviors, uh, their patterns, uh, where they go, when they go, why they go, all of these things, right? They started tracking them. And the second these environmental groups started tracking them because of, quote-unquote, interest in them, wanting to know, quote-unquote, more about them, then all of a sudden the poaching happened. Amazing. All of a sudden the poaching happened, and that's what caused the teams to have to crop up to save the Siberian uh, tigers in Russia. And anytime we start tracking just because we want to know something, just because we're so curious, just because we are so, uh, I don't know, unbelievably just... We just have to know. We just have to know. A lot of danger is, is usually the consequence of that. Are we the tiger in this scenario? Could be. Because it wasn't until the environmental groups uh, got involved that created the studies did we have a problem. Then what happens? In that case, the government rushes in to protect the land for the very species that they studied and tracked that brought the poaching, and then they go in and use that as an excuse to grab the land and, uh, and, and take the land for the uh, species. Interesting. So my thought was <laughs> today, are we the tiger in this scenario? Uh, hmm. And so sometimes when we go to the extent of wanting some information, we have to realize that it always has a cost. And in this case, I think the cost will be eugenics. It's the only place you can go on this. Why do this? You don't think in this day and age, we don't have enough data on things. (laughs) We don't have enough data um, on, uh, on the heart. We don't have enough data. I mean, look at all the researchers doing their thing right now. Look at all of the science going on and the gazillion dollars that are put into programs to... Um, I, I don't know, study everything. Why we blink, why we, why, why we do this, why we do that. Think about why is there a need for this other than the consequence not being a happy one for you and I. There really isn't. There really isn't a case scenario for this. Why do we have to have this? Why do we have to study human beings to this point um, when we have enough information out there? I'm not saying science isn't a good thing. But science has a place, and science has always seemed to um, give itself more authority (laughs) than it actually has, and give itself more conclusions than it has ever deserved, I think, in a lot of respects. But this will be interesting to watch this. It'll be interesting to watch and see what Google slash government does with this, because there is, no other, there is no other reason to, and to understand why they're doing this. The company is called Baseline Study, LLC, and verify, Verily, this section of Google, why they're in this, who knows, but uh, other than uh, being at the government's behest for information. Because they know that people think Google's kind of cool, and that we'll opt to have this information out there. Because why? Oh, it's part of killer, stellar technology. I'm going to be part of something Cool. No, you're just going to be a guinea pig for the government is what you're going to be. The ever-growing, ever-encroaching government that would seek to probably get rid of a good good amount of us, if they could, right? Hmm, maybe those that aren't so healthy? I'll just leave that hanging. And you know, on this subject, everyone realizes that um, Denmark basically uh, is telling every the world that they are heading for extinction. Down syndrome is heading for extinction. Yeah. Since 2004, all pregnant women have been offered a DS scan. And the number of abortions, including Down syndrome children, has increased dramatically. Last year, 98% of pregnant women who were revealed to be carrying an unborn child with Down syndrome chose to have an abortion. 98%. This is what makes me ill. This is what makes my stomach turn. The problem that we have is that we think we know more than God. We do. And we think we can use science to do some of the most evil things because we think we know what will make us happy. Sometimes we don't realize the gift of what a Down syndrome child can be to a family. We don't realize that they are people and human and they have thoughts and feelings and they are some of the most incredible human beings you'll ever meet on this earth are Down syndrome. And what this can do for parents and family members, I bet if I interviewed... A hundred of them tomorrow, uh, you'd be in tears because of of the thoughts and the feelings that they have towards their Down syndrome brother or sister or towards their child. We think that if we can get rid of this, boy, we'll be so happy, right? We can have a quote unquote, normal child. The way the direction that we're going in right now with health is so scary to me because of this type of thing. We think, uh, well, liberals think that if you can just do an abortion, um, to make sure that you get your college degree or the career that you want, that you can choose to have that baby whenever nobody ever talks about the fact that when you have a baby, um, does change your life, but always for the better. I don't know of anyone, honestly, that goes through that experience that regrets it later on because that's what makes your life. That is the reason we're here. Uh, it, it I, I can't even imagine my life without my kids. And you know how I know this? Because I had a baby out of wedlock. I did. I got pregnant and uh, had a boyfriend, got pregnant. And I'll tell you something, it was the best thing I ever did. It was the best thing I ever did. It changed my life. I wouldn't have even thought of an abortion. But this is where we're at in society, is why don't we use information and data to, to use then scientific methods uh, where we can either, A, get rid of the people we don't want in society— B, get rid of you. Maybe maybe we don't like you because you have too many tests and you're just a, I don't know, a weight on society. Maybe you can't work. You're disabled. You're a weight on society. These are the kinds of things I'm looking at for the future, and, and this is why this is scary to me. This is why, is because of where we can take it. Um, the majority in Denmark think that it's a positive development that they've had such a steep drop in almost the extinction of Down syndrome wow, wow, nobody's standing up to say this is wrong, this is murder, wow, doesn't that just, doesn't that just, I don't know, it just makes you want to implode, anyway, I, I think of that, it, it makes me sad when I think of where this can go, I'll be right back, this is the Kate Show on the Blaze Radio Network.
0: You're listening to the Kate Show with Kate Daly.
1: Liars
0: by Glenn Beck. On sale now at glennbeck.com slash liars. This is The Kate Show with Kate Daly. Only on the Blaze Radio Network On Demand.
2: Welcome back to The Kate Show. You're not going to believe this one. Okay, no joke. (laughs) The UN... Guess who they elect for the Women's Rights Commission? Yeah, you'll never guess in a million years. Saudi Arabia. Because when I think of women's rights and, and women being individuals and um, women um, around the globe that have, have uh, you know, I don't know, some say-so in their lives, I think of Saudi Arabia, don't you? Yes, the UN elected Saudi Arabia, the world's most... Uh, misogynistic regime in the world to the 2018-2022 term on its commission on the status of women UN watch Hillel Noor said electing Saudi Arabia to protect women's rights is like making an arsonist into the town fire chief (laughs) yep amen to that Uh, Saudi Arabia Saudi Arabia Uh, Their discrimination against women is gross, systematic in law and practice. Um, Every Saudi woman must have a male guardian who makes all critical decisions in her behalf, controlling a woman's life from her birth until death. Saudi Arabia bans women from driving cars, um, beheads women in the street, um, can do whatever they want to a woman, actually. Um, the, The male figure of the home can do whatever they want. And uh, why did the U.N. choose the world's leading oppressor of women to promote gender equality and empowerment of women? I don't know. Now, you know how I feel about the gender equality and empowerment of women over here in the United States. But that doesn't mean to say that across the pond and abroad that we have obvious countries that absolutely uh, demote women down to a—honestly, they they give them the rights of a— of a Of a standing tree, I mean this they, they they have nothing right, and we all know this, so the fact that the u n sent a message that women 's rights are <laughs> can you even believe this? I can't make headlines up like this. Who voted, you ask? Well, let's say UK, USA, all voted for Saudi Arabia, Sweden, Spain, South Africa, Republic of Korea, Norway, Japan, Italy, Ireland, India, Germany, France, Estonia, Czech Republic, Colombia, Chile, Brazil, Belgium, Australia, Argentina. Need I go on? And uh, this was all done by secret ballot. That's lovely. Well, Saudi Arabia now gets to, um, gets to have influence and oversee numerous mechanisms, resolutions, initiatives, all on the elimination and discrimination against women. Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll, they'll take that one seriously. And the acceleration efforts to eliminate all forms of violence against women. Yeah, you know that they're going to influence uh, that for sure. Um, addressing the impact of, of discrimination and violence uh, t- towards women. Wow. Wow. Um, I can't say enough about this one, although this is just another reason why I want uh, the U.N. rooted out. I want us to um, stop funding it. I want us to have, uh, stop having such an active role in this and stop propping it up for globalism and why we need to strengthen the United States and our Constitution and not pay much attention anymore to the, what the UN's up to. That's basically what it is for me because of this kind of nonsense. Um, so let's give Donald Trump some credit. He's trying to lower the major tax credits for corporations. I applaud him on this. Thirty-nine uh, percent is a little high, don't you think? We're losing—we're losing so much of our industries to go overseas and have to leave uh, the country because they can't afford to do business here. So we need our industries inside of our own country. And he says the aim is to get it to fifteen percent. Let's hope. Um, you know, he's got his uh, termination of federal money, so-called sanctuary cities. Um, which one federal judge just declared unconstitutional. Why? Because federal judges are in the pockets of of those individuals uh, that would seek to absolutely thwart our Constitution. I, You know what's funny is, I'm sure there's a couple of good judges out there. There's also a need for government. But when it goes off the rails into kangaroo courts, when you have federal judges uh, declaring that a sanctuary city is unconstitutional, when, <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, cities as as sanctuary cities where the law doesn't apply, that's unconstitutional. Oh, good gravy. The uh, founding fathers would be rolling in their graves on this one. Um, you know what? Uh, at least he's he's in there in the thick of it doing some things that I really like. I'll always call out when I don't think he's doing something right, but I do on on a couple of these things that, that are happening right now. Just like the Bears Ears, um, uh, the the rescinding or trying to review, hopefully rescind, because that's really what it is. It's just calling for a review for, from Zinke uh, from the Department of Interior. Now the right direction is to have Congress. This is the power of the Congress. So all he can do is actually call for a review so that they can, can kind of push and nudge Congress into actually doing their job instead of being the weaklings that they are. Uh, so we'll see if that works. And I, I, I applaud that, actually. Uh, hopefully this will be enough to nudge them in the right direction. Let's just hope Congress can act. Let's just hope Congress can do something about this Antiquities Act uh, that has gone off the rails uh, for so many decades. It's amazing how they've abused their authority presidents in the past have abused their authority on this very act this is great this puts the the lands back into the role of of being in 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 their own state which is really where they should be this is getting so ridiculous these land grabs i was talking to somebody on the left that said how dare you call it a land grab and i thought is there anything else to call it give me a break um And, and, you know, here's the question Uh, when we're talking about this kind of thing, when we're talking about land grabs by the federal government and all of the property and water that they seem to uh, want to have control over. It's interesting because when you come up with an argument and you say, well, wait a minute. So how was that piece of property before the government came in to, quote unquote, save it from the state? (laughs) Save it for us. Right. Quote unquote, protect it. Quote unquote. So so how was that property doing? Oh, well, it was fine. Oh, okay. So it was fine. But the government came along to protect it for us. How nice of them. Right. To assert their response to us, to assert the authority they actually don't have to then take control of lands whenever they see uh, something that they get to profit off of. Fabulous or control. Great. Um, Utah, uh, the federal government owns, uh, what, 31, 32 percent of our lands. And so that's awesome because, you know, had we had this as a state, we actually just like Nevada, Nevada, I think what the feds own 80 percent of Nevada. um we know we're in kind of a dire circumstance because we don't get to uh, have our state be our state. No, the feds get to control really what happens in most of our state when it comes to land use. And so this is a huge problem. Well, I'm glad that Trump is stepping up and, and at least calling for a review. Now, when I, whenever I used to hear reviews, I'd get a little nervous because it isn't actually the thing, right? That's not, that's not what you're going to celebrate. People celebrate this, but that's not what you celebrate. You celebrate when it's done. And we absolutely need to have a uh, repeal, not a repeal and replace, just like what they're trying to do with Obamacare. That is not good enough. If Americans don't do not start demanding more and demanding actual repeal of horrible law, then we're never getting this country back ever. It won't happen because you know why? Because those elected officials will come back and say, "Well, we'll, well, we'll take what we can get. With all my weakness that I can muster, we'll take what we can get, and that's a victory. Well, it's not a victory if you don't repeal bad law. Replacing bad law with bad law isn't quite good enough. And so I, I want to say to the Trump administration, you know what? You're in the right direction, but that's not going to be good enough for me, and it shouldn't be good enough for you. Um, it should be something, but it's not good enough yet. And it's not something to be celebrated yet until we actually can repeal some of these things. Um, because I, I can't stand this repeal and replace. When did repeal and replace become uh, the new dialect of America? Uh, dial- it's just it's just insane that we're not demanding more. Because when Obamacare passed and they weren't afraid of the chaotic mess that was going to ensue with the website that didn't work because Obama paid a friend, um, nobody seemed to care. But we're what we're, we're afraid of ensuing, chaos if we take it out come on this can't be real so you know what yeah i'm willing to go through a little chaos to get rid of a bad law thank you very much and let's do it um but i do applaud some of the things he's doing the direction he's going in but i'm not going to stand up and give my standing ovation until things are actually done i know i'm expecting a lot but so should you be right back this is the kate show on the blaze radio network
1: you're
0: listening to the kate show with kate daly Only on the Blaze Radio Network, On Demand.
1: 2017 is going to be a volatile economic year. We may see politicians throughout the world attempting to control central bank policies. Several renowned financial analysts have warned that political interference in central bank policies may mean our economic misses of inflation and growth targets. Gold is an international currency that can't be issued or controlled by governments. If you don't have the only hard currency that has outlasted every politician and every failed idea of governments for centuries, You call Gold Line 1 800 913
0: 4653. The Kate Show with Kate Daly. Find more on demand at
2: theblaze.com/slash radio. All right, back here with you on The Kate Show. I know I'm skipping around a lot today, but there's just so many things I want to address. I'm kind of a nerd, if you haven't figured that out, and (laughs) self-proclaimed nerd, and I was reading a book. This true story is found in a book called Tiger, Story of Survival and Vengeance, about the tiger, Siberian tiger, that got loose. It was about 20 years ago. The story was all over the media at the time, and this team, this Russian team of um, kind of like... These guys were all made up of ex-Russian soldiers, and... This team of men went out to find this this human-eating Siberian tiger, okay? I know. Crazy story, but it's true. And so it's always intriguing to me. I love true stories. So I was reading this story, and I was reading about how uh, what had happened in the beginning that set these tigers off uh, and in motion. they The people that were living in Siberia, Russia, really had really no issues with the tigers. They kind of lived peaceably for a really long time. And then we had environmental groups come in. There's going to be a lot of lessons in this one little podcast. So, uh, okay, so the environmental groups come in and they want to study the Siberian tiger. So they start studying, they start tracking it like we do a lot of other species. These environmental groups just have to know what's going on with this tiger and how they think and what they do and their habits and their patterns. And they want to know all about the tiger. Why? Who knows? I guess they think they can help it. Um, I think the tigers are fine, but these environmental groups get involved and they order up the tracking of these animals so that they can figure out more about them. And then what happens is, um, I don't know if they realize this, but all of a sudden they start having poaching issues. Gee, I guess the poachers are figuring out the patterns and behaviors of these tigers and they know when to and where, uh, to grab up these tigers. And these tigers, obviously, in Chinese medicine, are, are a huge big deal. In fact, you could, for, you know, they, they've even been offered $50,000 for the kill of one of these tigers. And these tigers are six to 900 pounds. It's like kind of like a walking refrigerator, uh, but it has the skill to even jump 25 feet high in the air over a basketball hoop. I mean, spontaneously. These things are quick, they're fast, and they say that in the forests, in the dense forests of Siberia, For every one time you see a tiger, that tiger has already seen you a hundred times. So they can actually uh, go around you in circles. These things are amazing. They have amazing amazing, uh, agility. A couple of years before this tiger attacked this man, what the story is about, is they lost about a fourth of the tigers. They lost about 100 of them due to poaching. And it was after this uh, group came in to track them, by the way. But that's what happened. So they had lost so many tigers that the team was formed. These teams were formed. The investigation tiger teams were formed in Russia to then um, make sure that they could protect the tiger. Okay? The thing that they found out, the reason that this tiger had attacked somebody, was because this man, who had sort of lived alongside the tigers in in a cabin up in this dense forest, uh, was fine until... Uh, He got maybe a little greedy, wanted to uh, get the kill of one of these tigers, and then also maybe get the tiger itself. And he ended up harming the tiger, not killing it, but harming it, harming its paw. Um, The reason they know that is because they tracked the tiger and they could see that the paw was hurt. So it's fascinating to me that, that after this happened, after this occurrence happened where this guy got a little greedy and decided that he, he wanted this tiger because they could make a lot of money. They call, this the, they call tigers Toyotas or they called them back then 20 years ago because the price of a Toyota, you could actually get uh, one of these tigers. And so, uh, so this guy harms this tiger, goes after its kill, Okay, wants its kill. And this guy is poor, very, very poor, Uh, growing up in communist Russia, very, very poor guy. And so he traps for a living. This is what he does. The tiger then gets vengeful, but not vengeful in a way that you would think. I mean, serious, vengeful behavior and to, to the point of, they figured out later, that this cat actually, when this guy left, because he lived in a town a little bit away from this cabin, He stalked this tiger, stalked this cabin for up to 48 hours. In fact, anything that had this guy's scent on it, this tiger was so angry, so vengeful, that anything that had a scent on it from this guy was completely decimated to the ground. Latrine, metal uh, that was flattened that this guy had used as a ladle. I mean, anything this guy touched completely flattened. Um, And he sat literally by the door waiting, waiting for this guy to come back home. There was also a spot in which the snow was completely thawed. And as it was completely thawed, um, they know that it took X amount of hours to completely thaw this area where the tiger sat waiting for this guy. And they figured out that these tigers can actually hold that thought of vengeance for that many days where they actually plot to kill somebody that they think has done them wrong. Amazing, right? Amazing what they kind of figured out about these tigers um, and so they went on a search for this tiger and they finally caught up to it and the tiger was basically impaled on a gun. I'm not joking. As, as the tiger sprung to get the leader of this group, um, I'll do a long story short. The tiger was shot multiple times in the air as it as it went <laughs> feet above this this group of people tracking it. And lunged onto the gun, impaling itself all the way down to the stock of barrel, all the way through this, this tiger, uh, killing it. And nobody died uh, in the course of taking this tiger down. But you have to think what makes a tiger get to that. What, what, what would get a tiger to that state? And there was a gentleman that knew the victim, knew the victim of this guy. And he wasn't the only victim. There was a couple of victims, but he knew the main victim, the guy with the cabin, the guy that tried to to take the tiger's kill. And he said what he doesn't understand about tigers is is that they are sharers. They are sharers, and they they share things for a reason. He said that there was a tiger that had killed uh, a, a small animal near his area that he lived in, and he said I knew he was there. I kind of went out and sort of talked to the tiger uh, from a distance, basically telling the tiger, "Okay, go away now. You've had your kill. Go away. I don't want you here because he felt like he couldn't leave his home. And he felt like if he just talked to the tiger, somehow this would (laughs) this submission would get to the tiger. Right. And the tiger would understand. So the tiger basically leaves him part of his kill. And he can tell because the tiger sort of nudges it and is basically telling this guy, okay, I'll leave, but here's part of this. There's a hump of this animal that I just killed. And the guy thinks to himself, ooh, should I take it? And the guy says to himself, I didn't take it. I actually told the animal, that's okay. That's okay, I'm good. I got enough food. You take your kill. You're good. You take it. You go off with your kill. And he said, because this is what happens. He said, had I taken the kill, I would have been indebted, totally indebted to that tiger. In fact, not only would I have been indebted to that tiger, and the tiger would know it, I would feel fear from being indebted to the tiger. And that would change our relationship. And he said, this is how communism works. This is how the mafia works. And this is how, uh, generally in life, this is, this is how it works. When you accept the gift. What are you truly accepting? What kind of power over you have you just launched or emerged yourself in from taking that particular gift? Hmm. Interesting, right? Interesting way to look at it. And he said, if the victim would have realized that, A, he would have never tried to take his kill because tigers will share, but you can't take something from them because if you do, they're very, very vengeful these big Siberian tigers. And he said, and they have a memory. And it's been studied that they have a memory. They will remember you. They'll remember your scent and they will come after you. And they don't care what it takes. And also, when we take the gifts, when we take the gifts, we create a problem for ourselves, right?
0: You're listening to The Kate Show with Kate Daly. Only on the Blaze Radio Network, On Demand. Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn.
1: In a world that tells us we have no heroes, I say to you, you're missing out on an experience that will never be beat. You are missing out on standing with some of the greatest men and women ever born. You are doing yourself and your country a disservice by not honoring them.
0: Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn. Available on demand anytime at theblaze.com slash radio.
2: Kate show with Kate Daly. Welcome back. Last segment of the show on the Kate show. All right. So let's talk about that for a minute. Um, I think it brings up a great illustration of where we can end up as a society when we take the gifts provided for us. Um, okay. So a friend of a friend wrote a great piece. Uh, Jacob Hornberger wrote a great piece. So I got to give it, I got to give a nod to him. Um, And I thought this was so good because I don't think we think of it in these terms. Once a person or a governmental unit goes on the dole, he or she will do whatever is necessary to remain on the dole, convinced he or she would die without it. Put people on the dole and you control them. Once someone goes on the dole, he falls under the control of the dole provider, much like a heroin addict falls under the control of a heroin dealer, right? His heroin dealer. Like the heroin uh Addict, the dole recipient becomes passive submissive, compliant and obedient for fear that if he doesn't do what the dole provider wants the dole provider will terminate his dole which in the mind of the recipient be the same as killing him we see this phenomenon all across America and not just with the welfare state dole but with the warfare state dole hmm, interesting concept have you thought of this? Where are those protesters today? The same ones from Vietnam. You know, we recall the Vietnam War, the civil war in which the United government, the United States government, embroiled the United States in the 1960s. And like the U.S. government wars in Afghanistan and the Middle East right now, it was destined to be a forever war, one that the U.S. government would still be fighting today if it hadn't have been for the anti-war protesters and demonstrators. These guys were in their teens and 20s, and these are the people that uh, brought that helped bring it to an end. It's not popular when you want to get reelected if you have too many people protesting, correct? So where are they today? They're silent, they're passive, they're submissive, they're obedient, they're compliant, they believe whatever they're told. They believe in the media, they believe whatever they're told and whatever the government wants to tell them, they believe it, hook, line, and sinker. It's why we're in these forever wars, Afghanistan, Iraq, the rest of the Middle East, soon to be probably North Korea, Syria. We're going to go depose somebody in Syria, better know why. Why? You know, most of them don't buy into the notion that the terrorists are coming to get us any more than they bought into the notion that the communists are coming to get us back in the 50s and 60s, as we were told over and over again. So what's the difference? Why the difference? Why aren't those people who succeeded in getting the United States out of the Vietnam out of Vietnam more, after more than 58,000 needless deaths happened? Where are they? Could be tiredness, could be old age, but I think there's really a better explanation. It's because of the dole. Those 1960s anti-war protesters are now on Social Security and Medicare. Now on the dole, they're scared to death that the government will get angry at them and cut them off their dole. Wow. In their minds, that's equivalent to killing them. Kill off their money. They can't, some of them can't work, can't earn it. I mean, rightfully so, but still, right? They're on the dole. Most Social Security recipients simply can't imagine a life that's possible without the dole. And I get why they think that they've paid into it, right? Except that when they accept it, they sort of get a little bit more silent. They don't want to be cut off. They become dependent on that money. Some of them, rightfully so, again, become dependent on it. They don't have anything else. Maybe they were never able to invest into their future. But when it comes from the government, this is the biggest problem. There was a reason that they entrapped people into this social security system. And they, they might well, you know, be right to be concerned. U.S. officials have no compunctions about retaliating against seniors who object to their forever wars any more than they had reservations about retaliating against cities who object to their immigration policies. The master politician Franklin Roosevelt knew exactly what he was doing when he got Social Security enacted in the 30s. And after Americans had lived without this socialist program for more than 100 years, How did they do it? How did they survive for a hundred years without the government stepping in to help to dole out that money after a certain age? Hmm. He knew that once he got people on the dole, he had them right where he wanted them, under the control of the government. And then look at Norfolk, Virginia. It's one of the many U.S. cities on the warfare dole. Have you thought of the warfare dole? I thought this was great. It has the largest, just a, a, a great writing on this. It has the largest Navy base in the world, Norfolk, Virginia, as well as NATO's two a strategic command headquarters. And according to Wikipedia, of course, the Navy station compr- uh, comprises over 62,000 active duty personnel, 75 ships, 132 aircraft. The region also plays an important role in defense contracting. What are the chances that people in Norfolk would ever take the lead in protests and demonstrations against the Pentagon's CIA's forever wars in Afghanistan and Iraq? and against the war, warfare state way of, it, of life itself, the chances are nil. People in Norfolk would be scared to death of losing their warfare state dole. Like people in other cities, on the, on the warfare, warfare dole, they have convinced themselves that their dole is essential to national security, so we must have it. But that's the dole, both welfare and warfare does to people it destroys their sense of independence self-reliance self-esteem and can do it converts them into passive submissive compliant and obedient servants slaves of the welfare warfare state no matter how much it is destroying their liberty and well-being as well as the liberty and well-being of their children and grandchildren and their country wow have you ever thought about it that way You know, I look at our society and I look at how many people won't speak up because they're afraid of retaliation. They're either afraid of the IRS coming after them. They're afraid of uh, losing their pension. They're afraid of losing whatever it is at stake that they have that they think they need. Do you know if Americans kicked all that to the curb and actually protested and actually said, we will not reelect people. We will. We do see through this. We do see how unconstitutional all these things are. And guess what? We survived without you big, big, huge, overreaching government. They would be forced, forced to dismantle. They really are afraid of us in numbers, but us in numbers don't come. Why? Because we have so many people dependent on this very system that we talk about, don't we? And had we been a little bit more, I don't know, looking at it in different terms, not wanting the government to save us, every good liberal loves that government, Why do they love it? Because they don't think anything can survive without the governments either controlling it or managing it or having their stamp of approval. When did we get to this state of being in America? And when did we get here? I don't know. But it is at the very root of every problem right now is our dependence upon the government, truly our dependence upon the government. And this author is completely right when he talks about the warfare state. The warfare state is just as bad as the welfare state because we convince ourselves that we need it when we don't. In the welfare state, people could step up and volunteer and help each other just like they did a hundred years before the government came along with this great solution, quote unquote. And in the warfare state, do we really need it? Is it really providing us national security or is that a big ruse to, to uh, take in more money? As I said in the beginning of the show, the false flag coming. There's always these things that they talk about where they're saying, oh, we're weak. We need more money. We're weak. We're hemorrhaging over here. We need more money. Oh, North Korea has its sights on Hawaii. We're weak in Hawaii. We really need to bolster that up. It takes more money. Money that is derived unconstitutionally from the taxpayer and sent into a program that has never ending dole effects. Right? The warfare dole and the welfare dole. It's been so fun. I'm so glad you joined me today. And uh, something to think about, right? <laughs> Hopefully in each segment, something to think about. Uh, and of course, uh, be faithful, be fearless. I end every broadcast with that because that's what we need to be in this day and age. Be faithful, be fearless. And of course, uh, you can go to katedallyradio.com, uh for more podcasts on these issues we've talked about. And also uh, the Kate Show on the Blaze Radio Network. And you can go to Kate on the Blaze on Twitter and the Kate Show on Facebook. All right. Have a great week.
0: You're listening to The Kate Show with Kate Daly. Only on the Blaze Radio Network, on demand.
2: Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today.